Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm a collaborative lawyer and mediator and the founder of the Miller Law Group. I'm on a mission to change how people divorce. And my guest today is Charlie Jamison. Charlie is a board-certified attorney in marital and family law with the Florida Bar. He has a long and distinguished career, has received the Child Advocacy Award from the Legal Aid Society of Palm Beach County twice. And Charlie is also an expert in the developing field of parental alienation. Charlie, welcome to the show. Catherine, thanks for having me. Charlie, can you help us understand what is parental alienation? Well, parental alienation is a circumstance or a dynamic in which a child in a highly contested divorce case allies himself or herself strongly, or actually better better said completely, with an alienating parent and rejects the relationship with the targeted parent. And this is without any legitimate justification for the rejection. And again, it typically occurs in the context of a high-conflict, highly litigated divorce. Can you give us an example? There's a continuation of types of alienation, uh, mild, moderate, or extreme. If you were going all the way up to the extreme, you would get the example would be, I don't want to have anything to do with you, Dad. I hate you. And the child doesn't remember or recall any positive relationship with Dad. And the child adamantly refuses, may run or may hide or even run away when in the targeted parent's custody. That's pretty extreme. And I know that in New York, Parental alienation are the desire of one parent to not encourage and actually resulting in behavior where they, they do not encourage a relationship with the other parent is very much frowned upon. Well, it is frowned upon. And in fact, it is really a, a high stakes game because if the a parent is found to have committed parental alienation, particularly if it's moderate or extreme, it's, high, it's very difficult to treat successfully in a traditional therapeutic model. So that means usually the child has got to be removed from the alienating parent and placed in the custody of the targeted parent. You can lose custody of the child. You can lose a relationship with the child. And if the court doesn't pull the trigger and give the remedy that's necessary to cure the issue, then the targeted parent will lose the relationship with the alienated child. So again, very extreme remedies uh, that can occur in a case by a judge and a very extreme fallout for either parent, targeted or alienating, and also extreme fallout for the child, not only now and during its juvenile years, but later as an adult. That sounds devastating. Well, it can be because we've got to remember that parental alienation is dangerous to a child because it alters a child's fundamental sense of reality. Because the sense of reality is the child generally is going to have a good relationship with both parents, but now the child is alienated and has been taught or brainwashed or programmed to believe that the child's at risk of harm or danger with the other child. It can also create a serious anger in a child, which is detrimental at any age, causes trust issues to occur that can follow and haunt the child throughout its adult life, and it also teaches a child that deceit and manipulation are a normal part of a relationship. So you can see that the seeds for long-term psychological and relationship difficulties 
are sown at a very early age and can have a severe impact on the child later in life. You know, Charlie, as you're talking about these cases, you're really talking about, I think, very extreme situations. And you've mentioned that word a number of times to say this is in a very highly contested, highly litigated, very contentious kind of divorce. And I have to say, I have an emotional reaction to that, you know, of cringing inside. I'm emotionally, I'm cringing. And how do you think, how do people get to that place where they're willing to put their children through something that challenging? There's a couple of ways this happens. One's called triangulation. Sometimes we find that there it can be a personality disorder with an alienating parent. Sometimes there are issues that have occurred during the marriage that have caused extreme hate to occur from one parent to another. But what we have basically is the child, a parent, having an agenda against the other parent, using the child as the pawn. So the child is used by saying, if I get the child to hate dad or to hate mom, then I'm extracting some kind of revenge, whether it's real or imagined, on the other parent. And it just also may be a, an acting out of a personality disorder, which you know is a, is a characteristic of a person which is so strong or so prevalent in their personality that it distorts or alters an accurate perception of reality and how they respond to it. Yeah, I think, you know, my experience is that there are some people whose reality is how they feel, right? And then somehow or other, the facts all realign themselves, even if they're clearly untrue, because only those facts would justify this kind of feeling. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Correct. And that's in the alienating parent. But then the actions that one sees is a denigration of the target parent. And the child often is encouraged or programmed to present complaints in sort of a rote manner, sometimes sometimes a trivial complaints. Many are false or irrational, and the child often denies ever having a good experience with the targeted parent. One of the ways you defend against these things is you go back to the early in the relationship with the child, pull out the videos, pull out the movies that show a relaxed, loving interaction between the child and the parent. If the child doesn't recall that, then we know this is more the result of programming and it probably is the result of any kind of reality. And then there, there are other, what I call the frivolous rationalizations for the child's criticisms of the targeted parent. For instance, the child's hatred or disdain is just unjustified and disproportionate for what happens. They may say, well, you know, I, I don't like daddy at all because daddy yells at me. Or I, I don't feel safe with daddy because daddy yells at me. Well, there's not a parent on the planet that hasn't yelled at some point in time with their child and probably at times inappropriately, but it doesn't create a justification for the child to have that total rejection of a relationship with the other parent. You know, as you're speaking, I'm also thinking that it must be hard for people to identify what is true parental alienation because saying bad things about the other parent when you're getting divorced, even when you're not getting divorced, you know what happens. And asking and t saying bad things to your child or your children about the other parent. I had a guest on the show recently who was the child, an adult, now adult child of parents who really did not consider her or her siblings' views about and, and the impact of their actions on and the, and the words that they used to describe the other parent on the children. And she talked about how traumatizing it is to her to this day, decades later, that she was in the middle. You know, and that being said, I don't think that her situation rose to the level of parental alienation in the way that you're talking about. So how do people distinguish between, you know, this real 
alienation and maybe less than ideal or even poor divorce parenting. Okay. Well, I think what we're talking about is the different, what some experts talk about, the concept of estrangement and alienation. I think just as sort of a what I call the five cent or the 25 cent definition is that to differentiate between the two is estrangement refers to some kind of warranted rejection or backing off of a relationship from a child from a parent. Alienation refers to an unwarranted rejection. For instance, we may have estrangement occurring where a child has witnessed domestic violence between the parents. That's a warranted Mm -hmm. backing away. But sometimes we have, as you have said, we have a parent who's in the middle of a highly contested divorce case and may be using what I call brittle parenting. In other words, not doing the best parenting job that they can. And then we have an estrangement happening from that. And again, it is not quite warranted, but there's a reason for it. And But that can be fixed with a combination of some parenting coaching for the parent who's not parenting in the correct way and the child who is backing off a bit. But you have a more serious problem if it is warranted, where there might be some abuse that's occurring to the child, maybe abuse that's occurring between the parents. So we have estrangement that's warranted, estrangement that's unwarranted, which is sort of in the middle, and then we have alienation, which is estrangement or that difficulty in the relationship that's unwarranted. This is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller, and I'm talking with Charlie Jameson, and we're talking about parental alienation. You're listening to WVOX 1460 AM, and we're also available on WVOX.com and on my website, www.westchesterfamilylaw.com as a podcast. Charlie, what about people whose kids are mad at them for ending the marriage? Where does that fall on the spectrum? I don't want to see you. I don't want to spend the night with you because you left mom or you left dad, and I'd rather stay in my room. I mean, that might be unwarranted. That might be the kind of rejection or estrangement that occurs because of brittle parenting. That might be what we would call somewhat mild parental alienation on a continuum, mild parental alienation, whereas the child may resist contact. But if you get the child and the rejected parent together, the child quickly transitions and they have a great relationship. So, I mean, what I call in those cases, the proof is in the pudding. In other words, get the child and the parent together, see what's happening after they've had a little transition time. Have you experienced times where children are resistant to a, th- a therapeutic kind of relationship? Because I have. Oh, when you Are you talking about therapeutic reunification or therapeutic relationship with a the therapist? No, I mean, the child, there's a difficult relationship between the child or children and a parent who's chosen to leave the marriage. There's anger. No, no question. And, I mean, yeah, we, go ahead. We, we have, you may call that alignment. Alignment will occur among children in a, in a divorce. And in other words, in particularly I find with older children, teenagers, middle school age kids, they have a tendency to think in more concrete terms, good or bad, and they're going to align themselves with one parent or the other. They're angry at the other parent. That needs some therapy to bridge those emotions, get them aired out. But those kinds of issues can, can get aired out and they can get back together, provided that the court takes a rather no-nonsense approach about everything and says, listen, these things happen. You're both parents. They're good people. You need to get into therapy, and you need to have contact with both. And what about before you get to a court? What do you think that parents should do? Because I think that sometimes when people are mostly acting from a good place, but in pain, 
And sometimes they say things, regrettable things, to the children about the other parent, and these alignments happen. And then, and sometimes people get stuck there. Families get stuck there. The children don't want to go to therapy. They won't, you know, they don't, the the parents don't insist. And I think it's quite tragic when that happens. It is. And that's, I think, essentially where the courts, I mean, the attorneys have to be knowledgeable about the issue. And the judges, and they need to educate the judges about the issue because this is where judges need to intervene and say, there's a bit of a mess here. It's fixable. This is what everyone's going to do. But unfortunately, as we have found in many of our domestic relations courts around the country, that we have this adversarial process going on. And unless the judges really want to get involved and click some heads together and say, we're here for the kids not you two warring adults, and we're going to fix this, and the judges are willing to pull the trigger, that tragic circumstance that you say will just continue to fester and lie there. Charlie Jameson, can you tell us a story, one perhaps with a happy ending, where a child who was subject to this kind of parental alienation was able to be rescued in some way? from? Sure, I can give you a couple of quick ones Great. from my own experience. I had a case down in southeast Florida in the metro area some years ago, where the boy, there was a young boy, and I was representing dad. Dad was getting divorced. Mom clearly had a personality disorder. It was later diagnosed in a custody or time-sharing evaluation. But at the time, we, we didn't have it diagnosed. The child was living with mom, and he was alienated against dad. Would resist. I mean, he would resist visitation so badly, I would have an informal supervisor go to dad to pick him up. And dad would go in the house to get his son. And the supervisor could hear the kids screaming from inside the building, outside by the car. And he, the guy, the, this like supervising, allegedly supervising adult was cringing at the time. Within five minutes from leaving the house, the kid was fine. And we had a social investigation or custody evaluation. Mother was diagnosed with a personality disorder. Dad was given custody. The therapist was no nonsense. At that time, the child was even more alienated was refusing any contact with the child, and the therapist was ordered transfer or get the child transferred to dad, and the therapist was a no-nonsense older woman, sat down with the child and said, we're sitting here today, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, until you go with dad. The child was there for 20 minutes and then went with dad. Another story I have, and it's not a story, it's a true case, happened over in the Tampa area, again, a few years ago, where there was a female child involved. We even went up to the point of child sex abuse allegations, Again, the child was alienated with dad, but we were able to get supervised visitation order. And we had a knockdown, drag out court proceeding, but again, with a no nonsense judge with a custody evaluation. Mom was pointed out as having, again, a personality disorder. Yeah, we were able to do a lengthy investigation to demonstrate to the judge and to the custody evaluator that this child had a great relationship with dad. And the court awarded custody with dad, mom would have to go get therapy when her therapist said it was appropriate to have contact, the court would consider it. Mom never had therapy, never saw the daughter again. Oh, my God. And what, again, one might say that's a tragedy. The child grew up well-centered, was a phenomenal athlete and a scholar at school. She just needed some centeredness that dad could give her. But again... It's still a tragedy, it, though. It's a tragedy. These two children were triangulated against dad by parents. Again, these are severe cases of parental alienation where the parents 
had to be children had to be removed from the alienating parents in order to end up having a normal life. And had they not been, they probably would have developed personality disorders of their own. So they're, they're happy endings in that way. And that's they're happy endings. And then there's been cases of mild parental alienation where we've had therapy involved. And in those cases, basically, I think the parents are well-intended who are involved in a mild alienation. They just don't know any better. And when they're instructed, you shouldn't be saying this. Rather, you should say this. And this is how you encourage the relationship. And once that was corrected, the children were fine, the parents were fine, and everyone went on with their lives. But the insidiousness of this is that unless... Other than mild parental alienation, parental alienation is not going to be treated by the normal therapy because if you have a consistent campaign of alienation going on in a household, an hour of therapy a week is not going to be enough to overcome it. This is Dialogue on Divorce. This is Catherine Miller, and I'm speaking today with Charlie Jameson about parental alienation in divorces. And Charlie, do you think that there are cases of severe parental alienation where there is not a personality disorder in a parent? Uh, I think that, I think you can you can have them. And that's only one of the ways where in these cases have seen you probably have seen them in your career. The parties start litigating, the uh, tensions and the emotions begin escalating, and then mom or dad starts thinking ill of the other parent. There is generally some kind of child abuse allegation then that erupts again, potentially because mom or dad have been has been over vigilant and uh, reactive, and then there's the separation of time while the allegation is being investigated. The child develops a fear of the other parent, the other parent who is what I now call the alienating parent, is reinforcing that fear, whether or not the allegation is established. And in those cases, we can also see, because of the highly contentious nature of the divorce, parental alienation becoming involved. Because of the stress of the conflict as part of the divorce. The stress of the conflict. And again, not because they're intentionally trying to falsely accuse somebody, but again, a young parent with a young child misinterprets what's being said or overinterprets what's happening. And you get an allegation, they go off and get a domestic violence injunction against the parent, and then you're off to the races. Because the judges and probably justifiably so, I want to be very careful when there's a child abuse allegation that's been raised, make sure that they are making the right decision at the end of the case. Of course they are. And, you know, I think it's really interesting that children of divorcing parents are in a tough spot, obviously, and they often say to each parent what they think that parent wants to hear. And they say words that will draw them closer to the parent, not because they're bad kids, but because this is just sort of part of the phenomenon of being in this situation. And I think what you're saying is that that could rise to the level where a parent interprets that as meaning something bad was happening with the other parent. And Absolutely. And, and sometimes it can be because, because a very young child believes that's what the parent need, wants to hear and needs to hear. But sometimes an older child, because they see who is really the victor in all this, and they know who they're going to end up with, they're going to say what they need to remain safe within that uh, family unit. I had a young man who accused his father when he was elementary school age, and his sister accused his physician parent in the in South Carolina, again only a few years ago, of child abuse. Later, as they grew up, they ended up living with dad. And the boy's statement was telling, he said, Dad, sometimes you have to say things just to be safe. Mm. 
And in that case, it uh, spoke at all. Because in the cross-examination of the children, it was clear that the allegations that they were making about the sex abuse was false. But clearly, there was a big problem now, because even though Dad was not found to have abused the children, we've got some highly alienated kids who are willing to make statements at a very young age against him. How does he ever remain safe, and how does he how does he get that relationship back to normal? The mother still is maintaining an allegation that he abused them, and the kids are living with her full time. Charlie Jameson, you have such passion for this topic of parental alienation. If our listeners have questions for you or want to learn more about parental alienation, how can they reach you? They can reach me. Uh, they can go to my website. We have videos and blogs on the issue. That's www.cjamieson.com. Or they can reach my office to schedule a consultation. That number is 561 561- Four seven eight zero three one two. You talked a few minutes ago about safety that a child might feel like he or she needs to say something to about something. I think what you're talking about is something bad about the other parent in order to Correct. be emotionally safe with the first parent, with the Correct. with the custodial parent. Correct. And in order to please mom, he says, "Oh, dad hit me," or or worse. Right, and, and it is worse in that case. It got to the point where they were talking about dad picking him up, choking him, and basically slamming their head against the wall. And I kept saying they kept slamming it so hard it made a dent in the wall, then it made a hole in the wall and made a bigger hole. And then and clearly we had photos of the house before and after during that time. There was no hole in the wall. There was no dent on the wall. And frankly, with the force that the child was describing, there would have been some kind of injury. And the police who were called to the scene to interview the children a short time after this all allegedly occurred, the children had no bruises. They had no pain on their heads. So, I mean, there's all things that there may be evidence there that just shows how false the allegation is. But that's how much the child fears, because if they do not say what the parent that they see as being in charge, in control, or what I call the victor parent, if they don't tend the party line or follow the party line, life can be a living hell for them. Because remember, it's all about withdrawal of love. If you, it's conditional love. Say, if you do and say what I want, you, I love you. If you don't, I don't love you. And what would your advice be, Charlie Jameson, for someone who might be getting divorced, who suspects that there might be mild alienation beginning? Because I can imagine it could start mild and get a lot worse as time went on. I think in terms of any, uh, any form of uh, alienation or any amount of alienation, the best antidote is to have as much time that you can with your child in terms of contact and visitation. Because what that does, it provides to the child a reality of who and what you are that is contra completely to the reality that the the alienating parent is painting out for the child. Do you find that parents who are experienced in this sometimes just uh, retreat and hope that it'll get better if they don't? That's one of the things, and what you'll find that in the sometimes in that relationship between the two parents, that the targeted parent or the alienated parent has been the more passive parent or the most more more passive adult in the relationship, and they do retreat. and And then sometimes they, you know, with there are some parents who blame the children. And again, this is not something for kids to be blamed for. You've got to understand child development. You've got to understand that your children sometimes are saying things, not because it's real, but because they need to or have to. 
And so that's one of those issues you brought up about inappropriate parenting. You don't blame the children. You still get as much contact as you can. And even though it might feel emotionally better to retreat and worry, the thing to do is to become more active and push for more time, even though that could be painful and difficult. Right. And even if you're emotionally difficult, financially difficult, legally difficult. And then if you can't have that, then find indirect ways you can be in your child's life, such as sponsoring some athletic team, showing up at sports practices or recitals or games. Or The child just has to know that you have not given up, even if it's only on a subconscious level. And we'll see that's so much important because there have been studies done on adults who were alienated as children from one of their parents. And that's one of the things in retrospect that they talk about, which is that the parent never gave up on them. And that was the bridge that they could use later in life to reconnect. So that sense that 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 parent was always there, always, even though it might feel like you're sending texts into a void, keep doing it. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and that's the key is don't give up. Those are great words to end on. Charlie Jamison, thank you so much for being our guest on Dialogue on Divorce. Catherine, it's my pleasure.